Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your e-commerce tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. On today's episode, we interviewed Judith Trainer from Temples and Markets. Judith Trainer created Temples and Markets after traveling to Southeast Asian countries. She handpicks products from emerging designers and artisans from the region. Each product has a story of its own and helps families and communities make a living. In this episode, Judith shares her tips on creating a compelling story that will help your business and increase your sales. Hey, Judith, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Judith, tell us about Temples and Markets and the products that you sell. Temples and Markets is an online curated store. So I source unique fashion accessories, jewelry, handbags, but also home decor. And it's curated in that so it's a wide variety of products, but they have one thing in common. They will be handmade or artisan crafted by, and I say that each one is as unique as the person who made them in the region of South, um, Southeast Asia. So countries are Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Singapore, and some pieces also from Laos um, that I've personally sourced. And each product has a story behind it on on the website tells the story behind the product and the person who made it what was your life like before temples and markets well i had a business before which was in interior design so i've had my own small business i guess in in that respect i I know what it's like to run a small business but temples and markets is very different in this i guess it's everything through a laptop (laughs) it's me and i talk to my customers you know online but the wonderful thing is i get to travel Um, i love traveling and i traveled going up to uh, creating temples and markets, but now I can, when I travel, I can source beautiful product and I get to meet amazing people and hear their stories and support what they're doing by showcasing their products on the store. Okay, so you had a business. Why don't you fill in that gap? You went from interior design. How did you stumble into or come upon <laughs> what you're doing now? So I've been traveling on and off originally from the UK and now living in Australia. and. Um, I've been traveling on and off for the last 20 years in Southeast Asia. We first traveled through Southeast Asia, myself and my husband, on the way from the UK to here, to Australia. And the region just blew me away and it found its way into my heart and never left. And whenever we travel, you know, three or four times a year, I'd end up back in Thailand or Vietnam. And I would literally come back having bought something beautiful and unique because there's so much creativity in those areas. I'd come back to Australia and people would say, wow, where did you get that? It's, it's really as simple as that, sort of the catalyst. And they'd say, where did you get that? It might be a unique handbag, you know, something you just would never find elsewhere outside of that region. And I started formulating the idea to um, make the products that I love and I was bringing back accessible to a wider audience. And at the same time, giving the people over there that I'd met in Vietnam, Cambodia or whatever, I still didn't be able to tell their stories to people wherever it may be, I'm a ship worldwide, so to Australia, US, UK, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so over two years ago now, I was in Cambodia and, you know, you stumble on these places. So I was in a, a, a literally the lame way in a place called Siem Reap in Cambodia, which I'm sure if you've been to Cambodia, you'd have been to Siem Reap where Angkor Wat is. And I was literally in a cafe next door to a little boutique in a lame way, 
I saw in the window jewellery like I've never seen before, you know, the really bright, incredible designs, um, and turns out they're made from seeds, this necklaces, earrings, bangles, etc. Went in and, and, you know, tiny boutique, you literally wouldn't know it was there unless you were you know, stumbled upon it as I had and I think this is the case with so many places that when you go traveling anywhere you know you find these wonderful places and speaking to the beautiful lady called Rani who is the designer and I learned her story and that's really what made me when I came back from that trip having heard her story and knowing there's so many other stories and so many other unique products that I've seen and, and, and I'll keep I keep seeing you know keep discovering as I travel that's what made me think, let's let's do something with this. This is an area I love. I, I love beautiful things. I love unique things. I love jewellery. Love, I've always loved the Asian home decor as well. Um, like I say, I've been to a designer and I'd always kind of gravitate towards that style. Oh, definitely. And, and they're beautiful. They're yeah. really unique. You could tell. But, and, <laughs> I mean, and it's not stuff that you could even find if you were traveling in these places on the streets. It's not like you could find it in some market somewhere in, uh, you know, like, the uh, a lot of the products that are sold in these countries are actually sourced from China and they're brought exactly there. Right. Yeah, you know, so people have to be really careful about products that claim to be from specific places, but they're actually you know manufactured. Not that there's anything wrong with a product being from China, but it's not necessarily handmade in that country. That Absolutely, that, that's hundred percent, and and that's what I try and get across. I, I think a lot of people who maybe haven't, haven't travelled to the area, or if they have travelled to the area, they think Asian sounds cheap. You know, there's cheap stuff. It's handicrafts that you pick up at Chattachak Market in Bangkok, and yes, you do get wonderful things at Chattachak Market, but it's not that's that's not what I'm selling. There's a designer element to the products I sell, but at the same time, they are also handcrafted, and. A lot of um, bold, bright colours in terms of the jewellery and, and the home decor as well. You know, in terms of the home decor, there's the brightly coloured Buddhas, which I guess is so synonymous with travelling in Southeast Asia, beautiful Buddhas, and you want to take those home. But there's, there's a twist. If you see some of the Buddhas I sell, there's something, something very different, you know. I, I just yeah. want to just, just showcase things that just people wouldn't have seen before. So in your store, on your website, you seem to actually put a great emphasis on the story behind each product. Why is having a great story behind your products important to you? I think from a very basic level, stories do sell, but they also it just it brings that humanity element to it. it. It creates trust. Again, it takes away from the fact that I'm not just selling you know, cheap, tat, souvenir-style products from Asia. Um, gone one step forward, really, from, I think, the initial concept, which was to sell unique designer product from Southeast Asia, I'm now focusing on supporting social enterprises in the area and NGOs. You know, these are some wonderful organisations who are training locals to make gorgeous things and, you know, empowering them and giving them, which obviously helps, empowers them, gives them a future. Um, from there, they can send their children to school. I mean, I can keep going on about the social enterprise element maybe later in the conversation, but, but it is that human element that, you know, attracts people. It's something different. And then they'll, they'll know, you know, how wonderful to know that it's something you've bought, you know something about the person who created it. It brings us closer together, I think, in this global world. I think it's interesting you said that because um, uh, definitely stories do sell. Uh, and I think that when I saw your website, when I looked at your products, actually one of the first things that caught my attention was the stories behind the products. 
right off the bat, if you tell me, you know, would you like to read a story about a product? I'll be like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then when you put the human element into it, then it's not about the product, like you said. It's about people, and it's a human thing. We just like to know stories of other people and, and what they're doing and the cool things that people are making on the other side, because that's pretty interesting. So when you're choosing products to sell, do you look for the story first, or do you create stories around the products that you want to sell? I think it's a bit of both. But certainly, I guess in the more recent months, I have been, we've actually been contacted by people and, and people who've got an, who've created an artisan group or social enterprise. Actually, that's been a wonderful thing. You know, as time has gone on, people have come to me. And as long as the, the product that they're making fits with my premise and uh, the design element and something gorgeous. Yes, yeah, a bit of both. But I think, I think now more and more it's becoming the human element, but obviously the product has to match. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Story first. Yeah. What are some tips that you have for our listeners on how to write compelling stories about their products or their brand? Just be true. You know, a lot of honesty. Even in my story about myself, I guess you know the about us page. I try to be really, just very human, very honest. That's what people want to see. You know, we are all rush, 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 and obviously some people in the online shopping don't have the time to read the stories, but. If you can, put some of yourself in there and, and, and bring these people alive, bring the products alive. And, and yeah, just I think it's about making connections. Just with, you know, other store owners, just try and make connections between yourself, your suppliers and your customers. And I think it will just bring us closer together. Can we elaborate on that a little bit? And the, the reason I ask, um, I'm going through mm-hmm. some similar stuff myself. We have a... For our listeners, they know I run an e-commerce agency um, that's partnered up with Convergio here. And one of the things that we're working on releasing right now is an academy, which is going to help educate a lot of the business owners and clients that we work with. And I'm struggling with different aspects of how do I convey this brand? How do I tell the story in a certain way? Do you have any examples from your own experience where there was just like, I really need to accentuate this or man, I'm struggling with this and this was the result. Something tangible that we can work with a little bit more instead of just sort of the, the philosophical sure. hypotheticals? Okay. If I said photos and videos, just, I guess because we are all, all rush, 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 if people don't have the time to actually read through the, you know, sure. about the designer who created that piece of jewellery. When I've put on videos, and I can also use this for social media, you know, a video of, of the, a group of ladies sitting on a floor drilling through seeds with their own bare hands. <laughs> that video, you know, how can that not succeed in, in, in sort of bringing you in, bringing you into their world and, and attracting you to what they're making? So I think if that helps, video and, and photos, I guess it's because otherwise maybe I could think, you know, someone might think, great, actually, you know, Judith could have made this up about this person, but could I make it real? And something else I did, which I haven't, I, when I first put some collections up there I used a a banner which actually it said um uh, bring back the memories temples and markets and I took it around with me and had photos of myself with the suppliers um and stood there in having the photos taken you can see those some of those I think still on the website how do you measure you me how do you measure those things that you can tell yeah like, this, well, this part of the story is working or this part of the story is not working sure it's very hard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm kind of pressing it. No, it's, I think it's really important and super interesting. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm pushing you on it a little bit. Mm. It Maybe it's certain aspects of the story. So if I, if I take away for a second from the people, another aspect of where I'm at 
with this business is it's part of the ethical shopping movement. So many of the products, vast majority of the products are made from recycled materials or sustainable materials. That certainly is something people are wanting to read about. And, you know, I've talked a lot about, in fact, I was interviewed a couple of times on radio in Australia last year about moving away from fast fashion and, and the interest now in the ethical movement. So definitely, yeah, how, how do you measure it? I'm not sure. But and again, not the answer you want to hear. But no, no, no. It's, it's okay. Air. Even what okay. you're saying works because like uh, kind of off air earlier today or earlier yesterday, depending on what time zone we're talking about, uh, Ileana yeah. and I were discussing different ways of measurement and how some of it could just be the message you happen to be conveying it could be something that you're learning or it could be something more concrete like sales or impressions or whatever it is and so that's yeah. why i was just curious on how do you define when a story works versus like when it's not that type of thing sales would be the most obvious thing a way off uh, this is not going to probably be the right answer either but i've done um, pop-up shops as well and mm -hmm. markets and when you actually stand there and tell the story you you can tell you know people are just yeah that they're, they're sort of hooked by what you've got to say and mm -hmm. yeah no I mean by the nature of what you're doing it does seem yeah. like it resonates well and and I wouldn't necessarily anticipate well, like a, a concrete or tangible thing all the time sure yeah it's hard to say but I, I mean but it is a niche that I've you know that's that's the way I wanted to go because when I can talk about my business I can say every product has a story yeah. and then people go oh wow that that that's really different and. You know, I think that online commerce, it can have a really cold feel, you know, it's so different obviously from walking into a store. So I, I just feel like I want to give a face, I'm giving a face to like this cold world of online oh, commerce, which create, which creates, creates some trust, I suppose. Yeah, that was, uh, that was that's one big of the thing, things isn't it? that definitely even stood out the, uh, the shop by story option. Like you have shop by destination, shop by product. Yeah. And those things are like, okay, these are kind of predictable and cool. And all of a sudden it's that's exactly, story. Yes. It's like, what? This yes. is it makes yeah, me want to click mean? on it. So that's cool. How about one more in that same vein? What if a business doesn't necessarily have a story or it's not very obvious? Do you have any tips on how to find that or get an angle that would work for a story? Yeah, find a story about how the product's made or, uh, or what's gone into, you know, what, what resources it's made from. There's a... <laughs> You know, everything that's I'm holding a pen right now, but, you know, someone's made it. It's made of something. It has to have some kind of story, even if it came from a factory, I guess. Unless it came just, from just, a sweatshop. Just <laughs> in. And unless it came from a sweatshop, then unless we have... Well, well that, that's right, isn't it? <laughs> I, know, I know, which is, yeah, we can, that's what we can go on and talk about. There are, let's, let's not pretend there are, there are people who don't have no interest in where their products come from. But I just hope over time, I think people are gradually moving more and more most towards are definitely yeah most i've seen it even with our own customers most of them are definitely they care about where the products are coming from or what's going on in the manufacturing and yeah you know and, it's, and i love it i love seeing that because it gives me a little bit of faith back in humanity if you will so <laughs> yeah and I, I think that maybe the future generations i mean i've got a 12 year old and he, i know he's much more aware of these things than I would have been at that age. Okay, probably because he knows all about my business. But I, don't, I think also if a person has travelled, you know, a lot of this stuff will resonate with them and they come back. And another thing I, I talk about, or one of my taglines is bring back the memories. You know, if you have gone to these wonderful places and just come back and, okay, even if you don't know the story behind that specific product, 
you can remember sort of seeing something like it when you were in, I don't know, Phuket in Thailand. And, and it all bring back those. That, that was my intention to bring back those wonderful memories. Before I move on to the next question, I kind of wanted to touch on, on, on one thing that you mentioned earlier about creating videos and photos. And without getting too technical, first of all, I'm curious if do you have any like professional help in this area or how do you, I guess what I'm trying to get to is what tools are you using that we can help the listeners maybe who want to create something similar, like a video or, or photos of their products or create a story in the same way that you did, who may not have access to a professional or professional gear. Like, are there any sure. tools that you're using to create these stories? Yeah, well, I think the, the listeners would be very happy to learn that most of it is done on the humble iPhone. Oh. Yeah. In terms of photos... I'm not a photoshopping expert, I wish I was, but I've learned to use Canva as a photoshopping tool. But also, you know, I really much, very much believe in playing to my strengths. And like I say, Photoshop is not one of them. And I have wasted an awful lot of time trying to photoshop products. So I was lucky that I um, I have had an intern. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, if I have, I try and find resources without having to spend too much money because I'm not up there yet. Either it may be a friend or a student that, you know, it's a lot better those things than I am. So I have had a little bit of help in that respect. But in terms of, yeah, photos, definitely Canva videoing. I literally, yeah, I, I use, use the Humble iPhone to, to take a lot of success. It takes pretty good video, yeah. um, trial and error. Maybe those videos aren't as professional as I would hope. But it's one of those things that one of the wonderful things about having had this business, I have taught myself so many different skills that I – you know, because I'm on my own. But over time, you just, you know, I, I've learned to have the back end of Shopify and very basic coding. And I've learned using, you know, uh, email marketing and a lot more about Instagram. Yeah. So it, it's really, I hope that helps the readers to know that if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. yeah. No, so it shows you that you don't really need any fancy gear or anything. No, that's right. I did buy a little um, light box. It's an eBay version of a light box. I've ended up not really using it. It's walking around in, in, in the I work from home, so I'm walking around at, at home to get the right light. Use, just use a like a whiteboard, whiteboard that I put products on top of. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, in terms of photoshopping and things like that, I have also used, sorry to harp on about photoshopping, but it's such a big thing in my store to get the photos right. Um, you know, freelancer.com. You know, if you don't have time for certain things, freelance.com and there's other, I'm sure, other websites like that out there where you can find amazing people who will, you know, you can send your photos off and they'll, sure. they'll remove, the back, remove the backgrounds and things like that for you. All right. Okay. So turnaround may not be as fast with mass manufactured products, right? When 95% or more than 95% of your products are handmade, here's what I've seen on the website. So how does your business scale when most of the products are handmade? Well, it's, it's changed from how I originally wanted to run it. So I always wanted to be drop shipping business, to be honest. But yeah, there was no way I was going to scale the business doing that. Not in, not, you know, with the products that I'm selling, it just doesn't work, unfortunately. Again, it's been, it's just been a question of finding the right vendors that can work within the the constraints of what I'm trying to do, I suppose. I've had to buy in stock that has been – it is all handmade, but I've had to – you know, every few months I will just get a bulk order in. 
of most things anyway. There are it's still actually certain vendors who will um, drop ship for me, but it literally depends, you know, who I'm talking with. And I guess, you know, we are talking about maybe someone in Thailand or someone in Cambodia. You've got shipment problems, of course, as well. It's one of the bugbears, the price of shipping. I mean, anything with worldwide shipping, great yeah. issue. So that's why it's better to buy buy in bulk as much as I can. I'm not in bulk. I'm talking like one small box of, say, I don't know, 20 Buddhas, for example. Um, yeah, that, that, I don't know if that answers the question. But. No, that definitely answers the questions. But do you ship internationally or only within Australia? Yeah. So I ship worldwide, um, not just within Australia. And I've actually had quite a few orders from the States, from Israel, UK, Taiwan. It's actually fascinating. People are finding me. Google's actually working. You know, um, I've actually used, <laughs> just, just going off track slightly, I have used an SEO expert for, um, I found on Freelancer. And obviously what they do with the SEO is it's working, which is great because people are finding me. So, but one day I could be shipping a pair of earrings and the next day I could be shipping a Buddha figurine, for example. So, you know, very wide ranging differences in prices because of the weight. So I've had to find a fixed price that kind of covers all bases. So it's something that I, I'm constantly trying to work out better ways of doing it in terms of the charging, because I know, you know, shipping costs, certainly people in America, it puts them off. Yeah. Uh, but I can't. I just can't do a free delivery option because of the different different weights. So I've kind of, like I said, stuck to a fixed fee, and that's worldwide. It's uh, twenty Australian dollars to ship whatever it is. But you know, with in terms of the business side of things, from my point of view, I've had to kind of go. You, you kind of will win some, you'll lose some on the shipping front. But I, I think a lot of businesses have to do that anyway. Sure. Yeah. No. I think I think when you said you sell internationally. That was the first thing I thought about because, you know, the prices are crazy when you're shipping internationally. And and when you get products in bulk from, let's say, from Thailand or from Cambodia yeah. or whatever, that's, yeah. that's a cost. And then you've got the cost of shipping. So definitely it's going to add up. I don't that's think it would right. be even possible to, you know, price the product in a way. You know, like a lot of businesses, what they do, of course, when they give free shipping, we all know that the price is already calculated in the product itself. Like you said, exactly. when you're selling items that have different weight and different uh, size and different shipping prices, and how exactly are you going to price that into? You, you, know, you just don't have that option. And like, I wish somebody would come up with some sort of shipping, international shipping solution. I, I think it's about time that, you know, I it's either like the people price it's either you get a reasonable price but you wait two or three months sometimes to ship certain things overseas and they get lost and you never find them or you have to pay an arm and a leg and still receive them in like a week or two weeks but it's really right and and particularly when you know i'm building this business based on trust and and the human element and i'm i'm so intent on being able to get something to people as quickly as i can and, and I, I do worry, you know, something can get lost overseas. So I have, you know, gone through various options. And D, uh, DHL, run a thing called DHL e-commerce, sort of only a recent discovery. That seems to be the best way for me now. They let you come and pick up as well, you know, so I don't have to go and queue up at the local post office, which I had been doing. Um, and they've got their prices yeah, still on the high side, but not certainly not as high as, as other people I've you know was looking at so that's you know that's helped it saved time it saved a bit of money but you're absolutely right it's just someone really needs to be able to come up with a system that helps you know it's going to help us all worldwide there's you know more and more online and then someone within australia actually again it was i was trying to find uh, some good solutions for shipping this is really is a continual issue 
but I, I don't need to, I won't mention the company's name, but there is someone here that's doing a great job now where you know, the, the prices, I'm sure, are similar in the US as well, but the cost of shipping is a lot lower than local post office and, it, and you get the you get the email say it's been picked up and then the email to the customer gets that email straight away to say it's on their way and you know when it's been delivered, etc. I believe that that particular company, I won't name names, is looking at going internationally and if they do, it would be fantastic. So you do work with artisans and designers from around the world. So how does your business help these independent designers and their communities? It literally helps to trade them. At the top level, I'm going to say it literally helps to trade them into a better life. That's my mission. You know, I really want to run a business with purpose and to know that every sale of a product can go to improving someone's life, giving them an extra bit of money in their pocket is a great thing. So... What that really means is if you take a – I'm going to take an artisan who makes these, a water hyacinth basket bag in Vietnam, something I sell, and, and they've been pretty popular. So that there'll be a lady in a rural area living in the Mekong Delta in Vietnam, and she has been trained to use the water hyacinth, which is a sustainable resource, to, um, to make in this um, – beautiful designer bag made of this water hyacinth basket kind of um, product. And it's also then got a, a leather trim, which takes it to that next level of being something, you know, giving it a wow factor. But for her, each time, so she works for a social enterprise, which means the, the money, you know, the money that's from the sale of that bag will literally go into her pocket, which then means she can send her child to school. You know, she can, she can feed her family. Then, then from there, it, it affects the whole village. There's no expression, you feed a person, you can feed a whole village. Or you, that's not quite the right the saying, but it's along those lines. And so, and that, so that's one example. There's other organisations that I deal with that literally have rescued women from human trafficking in Cambodia. And, you know, so these women that are in desperate situations and they've trained them in a craft. So it's not just giving them a bit of you know, fair, a fair work, fair wage, but it's giving them some dignity and just taking them from, you know, these dreadful situations that none, nobody should have to be living in. And so by supporting that enterprise, by showcasing product that they make, I'm going back to their stories, I'm getting their story out there and hopefully with each product I sell, it's, it's empowering them financially and with dignity. No, that's amazing. That's definitely it's cool. We've we've been able we've been really uh blessed in the sense of being able to interview some really awesome businesses throughout the couple series that we've been running so far with the podcast and to hear about usually what I feel like goes under the radar a lot of the times of these humanitarian efforts and these different ways of just giving back and not only selling something but making a positive impact. So it's always Really cool That's to right. hear that, and we definitely appreciate uh, owners like you that are conscious of it and trying to actively do something about it. Thank you. Yeah, and I think it makes a big difference. I said earlier that you know when you have travelled and you've met these people, you've seen how you know other people are living. To be able to make a positive impact. Through trade, you know, we can all go and we can give money to charity and not saying that that's the wrong thing to do. It's not, but you can do something when you're actually contributing to someone's future by giving them not just money, but, you know, training, work, a future, given knock-on effect. And something I think is really wonderful, I think that each time, well, I'd like to think each time a person, 
say say a lady buys a beautiful necklace, for example, from my store, she can literally feel like she's giving back to the person who made it. Yeah, and and on a side note, just to clarify, you're safe, right? Because I'm hearing like power tools and stuff in the background. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apologies for that. I'm, <laughs> we're perfectly safe. We're just. <laughs> little bit of reno- so I, I moved recently and um, there's a bit of a renovation going on downstairs yeah so. no you're good i'd rather i'd <laughs> rather call it out opposed to have the guests wonder like what is going on uh, yeah 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 it's all good <laughs> it's all good this no. is actually sydney there's constant building work going on all over sydney yeah no, wherever you go so yeah excellent. apologies for the bit of background noise no, but. Judith, you, you've been fantastic um thank, thank you, you. As I say thank you so much for this interview if people want to know more about what you're doing your products, your uh, able abilities to give back, all of that stuff. What's the best place or where are some of the best places for them to find you? Hey, so it's www.templesandmarkets.com. That's the website. Facebook slash Temples and Markets and Instagram Temples and Markets. I've got quite a good following on Instagram so and good engagement on that one. So please come go along and follow the photos. And on, on the Instagram page, it's not just product. I try and put a lot of travel photos and food photos from Southeast Asia as well. Yeah. Love it. Again, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you. One Stop Shop is a production of Convergio. Learn how to manage all of the marketing tools, channels, and strategies that you need from one dashboard by visiting Convergio.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit ComeAliveCreative.com. To listen to more episodes or to give us a rating, please visit Convergio.com forward slash iTunes. iTunes.